when it was finished and we discussed everything, I finally said, well, what do you think? What's your opinion of the translation? And there was dead silence. And I was a little bit afraid, like maybe they didn't know what to say. And all of a sudden, one of them looked at me and said, now we understand. Welcome to the Essentially Translatable Podcast, brought to you by Lutheran Bible Translators. I'm Richard Esky. And I'm Emily Wilson. And as we roll through 2023, the More Than Words campaign for Scripture Impact, we're so excited that you're listening in for your uh, prayers and advocacy for Bible translation and uh, partnering with those ministry entrepreneurs that are working at the ends of the earth, ready to put God's Word in their hands. And uh, we'll be talking today with uh, Dr. Michael McGann, a long-serving missionary with us who is, even after all those years, he himself is going to the ends of the earth to be with and equip some of those ministry entrepreneurs for the work of Bible translation. Dr. McGann has served with Lutheran Bible Translators since 2004, not only as a translation advisor in Botswana with the Kalanga language community, but also now with as a translation consultant with various language communities in Tanzania. So we hope you enjoy this interview with Dr. Michael McGann. All right, we are talking with uh, Dr. Michael McGann today here on Essentially Translatable. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome. Hello. So you have been serving with Lutheran Bible Translators a number of years, but your ministry on the continent of Africa, working alongside different language communities and partners, has been since 1982, which is incredible. So what led you to pursue international ministry? Uh, that's a very long story, but I can try to make a fairly short. First of all, I had always had an idea or a desire to work in Africa. In fact, when I started college, when I was at the university, I was entered initially under zoology hmm. and studying primatology. Wow. And um, then the Lord called me into the ministry. So when I got to seminary, I found a lot of the international students always gravitating towards me for some reason, whenever we had just time to talk or sit around, whatever, there's always international students that seemed to buddy up with me. And in my last year in seminary, there was a young Tanzanian there who was having trouble with Greek. And since I enjoyed Greek and had taken it at the university and of course, a lot of courses there at the seminary, I just helped him along, mentored him and he graduated fairly successfully with his Greek and others courses. When he was graduating, we were in the same class. He said, uh, you know, again, you're going to come out and work in Tanzania someday. And I kind of pondered it a while and went home to my wife, Joanne, and said, what do you think about going into missions? And I guess I can say in a very blunt way, she said, over my dead body. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, so I said, well, okay, we're married and we go together. And so we took our first parish down in southern, in South Texas. Been there about 10 years and had decided that it was time to move on. There was a great ministry and we loved the people. We had a wonderful time, but just felt time to grow and, and go somewhere else and let them have the blessings of another pastor. So we we're looking around and um, had found a fairly large church that had really wanted me to come up there as an associate pastor. And we we're really considering that. Sitting in the kitchen one night, 
talking and praying together. And all of a sudden I looked at Joanne and said, what about missions? And she said, oh yeah, let's try it. And I thought, you know, it was kind of a shock to both of us that it just came out bluntly like that. I had not conscientiously thought about it that much. So anyway, we went on and applied. And after a while, we weren't hearing back, weren't hearing back. And so I was about ready to sign the call to the, as an associate pastor, when he got the phone call saying, uh, we've accepted you to Tanzania. Wow. And I said, wow, okay. And so we went through the whole process and got all the visas and everything and got over to Tanzania and was met by the president of the Senate there who happened to be that young man who I had mentored in seminary. So I said, I guess it's God's blessings and God's call. And he laughed. He showed his picture, our picture, group picture up on the wall. He he pointed out to me and laughed and uh, shared a lot of old memories and had a very good time. We told our children after four years, we'll make a decision whether it's going to be career or we're going to just go back to the States. And we came back after four years for kind of, you know, partnership development, the kind of trips and things and see grandma and grandpa. And they were saying, you know, we want to go to the States. We want to go to the States. And uh, after we were here about three weeks, they said, when are we going back home to Tanzania? Mm. <laughs> and uh, so that's where we've been more or less all of our life. We've just found that kind of ministry. I, I learned the language as well. I love being in the different cultures, the, my wife also. So we just feel that that's been our calling since the beginning. That's amazing <laughs> that when you were suggesting what about missions, did you have any idea that it was going to be to East Africa that you were going to receive your call? Well, when we made our initial uh, inquiry about missions, we were given three choices, two places in Africa, in Tanzania specifically, one place in Asia, and one was a youth ministry in Holland. And we were considering all three, but I just felt I wanted to teach the Bible school that I really liked teaching. And mm -hmm. so I thought, well, the Bible school in Tanzania looks like the place that maybe we try. And it, that was where we went and everything worked out well. Then after we got into the Bible school, I was teaching evangelists, realized, well, I don't know much about their situation. So I would like to be more involved in the parish. And then it just came through without me even really making a formal request. They transitioned me into a parish, and then so that became my ministry, mostly evangelism and parish ministry. Now, as you were out there in Tanzania, and yeah, the diocese was forming, or you were in a in a more outreach area. How did that experience sort of form for you the the importance of gospel proclamation in local language and using you know eventually Bible translation and that uh, deeper scripture engagement as critical for mission? Well, it, it was kind of a transition. When I first got into Tanzania, they also were transitioning from the vernacular in most of the languages over to Swahili. So I actually learned Swahili at the time that many Tanzanians were learning Swahili. Okay. And I noticed that as we were learning the Swahili, the church services were shifting over to Swahili, but they would always end up with about a 15-minute summary in, in the vernacular. And I could tell that the people were waiting for that summary in the vernacular in their local language right. and so even though i only i didn't really learn their vernacular that was up in, in the middle of tanzania at that time that was uh kenya ramba mostly so i just 
went along with what the nation was doing, but I always knew that every time I went to visit people, they were not using Swahili, mm -hmm. except when we did the formal worship. Then after a few years, we moved up to Samburu up in Kenya, and um, very few people even knew Swahili. They only used the vernacular all the way through, and most of the children don't go to school there at that time. They're, they're doing more education now. But, and I realized I could not really effectively proclaim the word or disciple or anything like that without the vernacular. It just wouldn't work. And that's when I decided, well, hey, we'll go back and uh, learn about Bible translation in the States and everything. We'd already been out in, in Africa by that time for over uh, 10 years. So I said, well, we'll take a sabbatical and go back and see if, if I can do this Bible translation because it just was key, it was foundational to any kind of evangelism or discipling. And that's when we came back and really enjoyed it uh, at uh, GIAL in Dallas and contacted the, I was with World Mission Prayer League at that time and contacted them and we talked and I then called up Lutheran Bible translators and made the transition over and have really found this the most rewarding ministry that I've been in, 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 in many ways. So you started serving in Bible translation ministry around 2004, and you actually moved to a different context entirely in Southern Africa, and you right. were, you're now actually providing translation consultant work for multiple language communities in Tanzania. So right. what have you noticed as similarities or differences in your regional experiences throughout these decades of serving in ministry? <laughs> I've seen a lot. I don't know where to start on that one, but I think basically though there's one similarity and that is every place we have been ministering in or living or visiting, it is always getting down to the fact that if you as a missionary are willing to learn their culture, learn their language, not just the national language like Richard and, and others have learned Setswana, but also learning the, the vernacular that you're working in. I can go back all the way even to when I started when I was at the Bible school, I, one thing I noticed that even though we taught in Swahili, I tried to learn at least the greetings of, of the language of each of the students, and that was about five or six different languages, but at least knowing the greeting. So I think that even though we have a sense in all these countries of a, of a national sense, both as a church and as individuals, they also still very much appreciate their own uh, vernacular culture. Very many people when I visit, even when they're in their 30s or 40s, if I go over to Tanzania, like I'll be doing next week, visiting their homes, they will not use Swahili with me unless they know I don't know their vernacular. They will automatically switch to their vernacular. Hmm. And they only switch back to Swahili if, uh, if I said, wait, 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 I don't know, you know. So it's an appreciation of their own cultures. They recognize that they, as individuals, even though they're part of a national culture, also maintain some kind of a, a, a local culture. And I think the churches are aware of that. And that's why we're still getting calls for some kind of work, Bible translation, scripture engagement in the vernaculars in many of these countries like Tanzania. So what's unique about the context in Tanzania, particularly as uh, Lutheran Bible translators, is uh, engaging further there from your experience? What's unique about Tanzania? I think what's unique about Tanzania is basically what I've been just touching on now is that, first of all, many of our projects, I think, are very open to doing it as a local 
Lutheran Church project. In other words, we can partner directly with the Lutheran Church for administration more than having to go to another partner like United Bible Societies or, or, or for SIL, even though we partner with them in dialogue. But the Lutheran Church is willing, first of all, to say, no, we'd like this as a Lutheran program. But when they do the program, they will include all of the other churches into the program. And the churches work so well together. I can sit down. I have people from every denomination, you might say, working on the in these community meetings and in the translators that they're they're willing to say, yes, we'll work under the Lutheran Church because we're wanting to do the Bible for everybody. And the Lutheran Church is willing to say, yes, we'll we'll have these other people in and to to help us so that we can get the Bible out. Uh, and the uh, nation nationally, they're very open to having the, the, the local vernaculars done, at least for church, uh, and getting the Bible translated, things like that. So I think that's uh, a context in which we, as Lutheran Bible translators, can be very open and working very uh, to many of these programs. The other thing is that the churches are still willing to really go out to the marginalized, the people that uh, still aren't even have a strong tendency to be Christians. We're starting one in Tanzania, the Datoga or Taturu. The majority of the people still are not even Christian, mm -hmm. but they themselves want to have the Bible and the Lutheran church and other churches want to give them the Bible in their language and do evangelism with them. So I think this is an openness that uh, really helps the church growth and being able to reach out to those that still have not heard about Jesus Christ in any way. So when you began with Lutheran Bible Translators, you served as a translation advisor, working with the Kalanga language community in Botswana, Southern Africa. But now you serve as a translation consultant. And a lot of us uh, who have been in the Bible translation world know like, okay, here are the differences. But can you break that down for our listeners of the those nuances between advisor and consultant? And what is that difference that you've seen uh, in your role? Well, I think as an advisor, of course, as an advisor, you're basically underneath, you might say, or under, and a consultant. The advisor, or what we call the exegete advisor, basically was just concerned with the one language group and just working with that one language group, helping them through their Bible translation. As a consultant, we have a broader responsibility. We have several language groups. For instance, in Tanzania, we are working with uh, the Karewe. We're starting Karakara, starting Sumwa, starting uh, Taturu, Datoga. So we have, that's at least uh, four different language groups and very different kinds of languages. The Taturu is an Nilotic language, whereas uh, the others might be part of the Bantu family of languages. So we have a broader sense, and we also have more responsibility as far as training exegetes, mentoring newer missionaries, and just training the translators themselves, uh, more responsibility of reaching out uh, and dealing with the administration at the program manager level, working with the, the local diocese and their, their leadership. So it's a, it's a broader and more diverse kind of ministry, and you have to be able to be open to the different styles and different languages of the different language groups. Yeah, so uh, as you've worked in those roles, and especially the, the consultant role more recently, how have you been challenged in, in that work? 
I think the challenge, of course, one of the largest challenges has been COVID because a lot of Bible translation, especially when you're going in to do this final consultation, double checking there and doing the training, there needs to be a lot more face-to-face -face contact. And so I think the travel as a consultant, because many consultants, not all, but many of us live actually outside the countries and we travel to maybe one or two different countries. I've been going to both to Botswana and Tanzania. So the travel has more complications during COVID, having to go through all the different COVID restrictions and everything and trying to work with them virtually. You know, like I'll have a meeting sometimes with them virtually, internets fail, you don't really get the eye to eye contact, facial expressions, things needed for really determining whether they understand. So it still needs the backup of doing the traveling. I think that, and I think the other, I don't know, it, it, it just takes more time to do the training, being in with them, training them, setting up the workshops. But I enjoy the fact that I do get to meet different groups, different languages, and therefore get different perspectives. Because every time you go through the passage with a different language group and have to rethink it myself, and then listen to how they're understanding it and dialogue with them, I get a lot broader perspective on the meaning of different passages. And that's been actually a joy in some ways. Yeah, in the midst of challenges, those little uh, lights of joy are, are wonderful. What brings you yeah. the most joy in your work as you reflect on you know, the long I, career you've had? Seeing people finally getting like light bulbs going on saying, now we understand it. One of my favorite stories is when I was with the Kalanga they had finished uh, all, the, all the basic stages of doing the Book of Romans, the translation and everything. We were get preparing for the consultant check. And uh, so we had sat down and with a group of men and women who actually knew English, they knew Setswana, but their goal was to do the vernacular, the Kalanga translation of Romans. But they had all these years been teaching it in Setswana in English. So we read through the translation of Romans in Kalanga. And when it was finished and we discussed everything, I finally said, well, what do you think? What's your opinion of the translation? And there was dead silence. And I was a little bit afraid, like maybe they didn't know what to say. <laughs> and all of a sudden, one of them looked at me and said, now we understand. And that's, that's, you know, boy, when you can say, I've picked up my Bible and I've read it in my language, and now I understand something I've been reading, thinking about for years, but now I finally can understand that. And I've seen also in the local villages, just the changes in people's lives as they come to know Jesus Christ. They finally hear the gospel, the good news, finally hear it in their language. And I've even seen whole villages small villages where people come in at the first were not very strong in their faith or were not even faithful. But after we went in there and worked and taught with them, they, they were even buying new clothes and coming to church on Sunday and just had a joy in their life. And that, to me, that's what it's all about, bringing the good news to people, setting them free so that they experience the joy of Jesus Christ. So what is it that our listeners and the church in North America, what can we learn or be encouraged by, by our international colleagues in Bible translation ministry? I would like for all of us to know how appreciative many of the people in the countries that I worked with, the leadership and everything, have just appreciated the work of Lutheran Bible translation, coming in, working with them. It's developed great relationships 
they know that when we support, when we go over there, that they we have supporters behind us, we have the church behind us, that just makes them feel part of the, the universal community, the universal church of Christ. That's awesome. And as you mentioned a little bit ago, so you're into 41 years now of uh, ministry in the mission part of your ministry, plus that uh, parish experience before you're getting ready to go back to Tanzania here again. How can we be praying for you in your ministry? I think, first of all, pray is the, the main thing. I always believed in prayer. That's why we were part of World Mission Prayer League for so many years. Praying for my family, especially my wife, because she can't travel with me and even if she could travel it would be should we say boring because i'm out and working and she'd have to just sit around the hotel so she's staying here she's she's very supportive of it but it would be also good to remember that we do leave our families and our spouses you know when we do this traveling mm -hmm. and they should be held up in prayer also my safety both physically and spiritually because it is a very tiring or emotionally very tiring experience sometimes the first few days of getting over jet lag and all and just lifting us up in prayer and of course finances it's not cheap uh, but i always tell people jesus salvation he, he poured out of his blood which is more precious than silver and gold so you know it's going to cost us a little bit silver and gold for people to hear about that good news. So yes, financials is also very important. We'll definitely be keeping you in prayer and encouraging others to lift you up in prayer with our various colleagues and the growing ministry in Tanzania with language communities there. And we just thank you so much for joining us on the podcast, Dr. McGann. We look forward to hearing more about your, your travels coming up. Well, thank you very much. Well, I'm really excited about the work that Michael's doing with the, the church in Tanzania as the work expands into different language communities where the church has for some time been saying, if people are going to understand the gospel in this generation, if we're going to have effective outreach, Bible translation is what's needed. And we've been blessed to be able to answer that call and to have Michael to go from all those years of experience and really work with the folks and, and uh, teach them and, uh, and guide them. So what a blessing to hear part of his story today. Yeah, and we want to encourage you that you can join in God's mission right where you are in prayer and advocacy. If you're interested in praying for the language communities that uh, Dr. McGann mentioned and others, we want to encourage you to sign up to receive our monthly prayer calendar. So if you go to go.lbt.org, you're going to scroll down to the bottom and you can sign up to receive our monthly prayer calendar by email. If you want to do old school and and sign up to receive it in your mail. Just contact communications at lbt.org and we can get you signed up. But we do appreciate you partnering with us in prayer so that God's word might be made known and in the hands and hearts of people around the world. Thank you for listening to the Essentially Translatable podcast brought to you by Lutheran Bible Translators. You can find past episodes of the podcast at lbt.org slash podcast or subscribe on Audible, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow Lutheran Bible Translators' social media channels on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, or go to lbt.org to find out how you can get involved in the Bible translation movement and put God's Word in their hands. The Essentially Translatable podcast is produced and edited by Andrew Olson. Our executive producer is Emily Wilson. 
podcast artwork was designed by Caleb Rodewald and Sarah Rodowski. Music written and performed by Rob Veit. I'm Rich Rodowski. So long for now. <laughs>